0: This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon.
1: This morning's reading is taken from 2 Corinthians 12, and we're reading from verses 7 to 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then I am content with the weaknesses insults hardships persecutions and calamities for when I am weak then I am strong shall we pray Father God we want to thank you and praise you that we can meet together in your house this morning to worship you to sing praise you to, to sing praises to you and to hear your word may we open our hearts to your word this morning may we forget about the troubles of this last week whatever has happened to us may we just be focused on you this morning that you would speak into our lives and we thank you for that thank you for this opportunity father god we thank you for this word that we've read this morning father god we all deal with with thorns in our flesh some more than others Help us to remember this morning that your grace is sufficient for us. Your power is made perfect in our weaknesses. And may we boast all the more gladly of our weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon us. We thank you for that promise this morning. And may we take hold of it and and remember it each day that that we deal with thorns. Father God, we think of those who are not with us this morning or or who are dealing with with health issues, or any other issues that that they may be dealing with. May they look to you, and may you comfort them this morning. And so, Father God, we thank you for this time. We ask for your blessing over Pastor Paul as he brings your word to us. Help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you, Darren. And good morning again. Let's, Let's just calm our hearts one more time and focus toward the Lord together in prayer. Father, uh, we're, we're dealing with a short passage, but it's, it's packed, it's packed with truth, truth that we need, truth that we need as, as pilgrims along the narrow way. And so, Father, would you, would you help us as we consider this uh, alongside the topic of anxiety that, that we all deal with to certain degrees, certain levels? Father, give us hope and comfort and direction from your word. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we looked at the first question in our anxiety series, Hope for Anxious Hearts. Uh, Will you remember God? That was the first question. We, We need to remember God when anxiety comes upon us because... We tend to forget God when we get anxious. God is still there when the uninvited guest of anxiety stays in our life and and further, God in his sovereignty has invited him in. If that's the case, then we know that anxiety is not just there for the purpose of our self-preservation because God has a greater plan for his children than self-preservation. Romans 8:28 reminds us that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Our good God has a good plan for all the things that enter our life. So the next question that we want to tackle is uh, will you embrace a different view? Will you embrace a different view of anxiety in your life? Are you willing to see, see it more than an uninvited guest that you just want to leave? The, the standard view is that we want anxiety gone as soon as possible, by any means possible. But let's look at a different view. You, you may not like it, but I want you to at least consider it because it comes from our Bible. At the end of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, Paul explains that he experienced a thorn in the flesh. That's what he calls it. And we don't know exactly what this thorn is, but we can conclude a few things about it, or we can deduce a few things about it, First of all, it, it, it's, it's fairly recent in Paul's life. It's, it's not something that he dealt with from, from birth. Okay, because he tells us that he got this thorn in the flesh after he received a special revelation from God 14 years before he wrote this letter to, to uh, the saints in Corinth. So it was something relatively recent that he didn't have to deal with before. Okay, Relatively new. Secondly, whatever this thorn was, we know it was substantial. Okay, I think, I think we can deduce that because Paul writes about the things that he had to endure uh, in, uh, in the previous chapter, chapter 11 of, of 2 Corinthians, which, which were very substantial. So it, it's, it's, I mean, I'm talking, you know, beaten with rods, right? Whipped 39 times. Uh, a bunch of times, shipwrecked, he, he was stoned, you know, they, they pummeled him with rocks to kill him, All right. So, so we're, I'm fairly confident that, that this is unlikely some sort of trivial thing, this thorn in his life. You know, it, it's, it's, it wouldn't be like the equivalent of, you know, when we're experiencing slow internet speeds, okay? It's something much more substantial. But also, because we don't know what this thorn is, we're we're really able to freely draw application to various hardships that we endure in life, including anxiety. Anxiety is truly like a thorn in the flesh. We, We wanna take a pair of tweezers and remove it as quickly as possible because We think an infection is going to to happen because of it, and it's going to destroy us. God wants us to take a different view. And I want to examine four things about these four verses about Paul's account of his thorn in the flesh. Here's the four things. The purpose of the thorn. The prayer for the thorn. The plan of the thorn and the product of the thorn. All right, if you didn't get those, you can get them later. The purpose of the thorn. Let's start with with that. It's it's quite clearly stated in that first verse, verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So the the purpose is quite clearly stated twice in this single verse. To keep me from becoming conceited. The revelation that Paul received from God had the great potential to make him conceited or proud. And and pride is is like the, the seed root that all other sins stem off of. Because it says... I'm self sufficient. I'm powerful. I'm the focus. And that takes our eyes off God and His wisdom for our life. That mindset puts us in the driver's seat of life with God in the back seat as a passenger who maybe will ask for directions every now and then. This is a far cry from the truth in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. For in Him we live and move and have our being. <laughs> we, we are not self sufficient. We, we are completely dependent upon God, whether we realize it or not. Now, you might ask yourself why would God want His children to experience a thorn? You know, a, a couple things I, I want to note. Just because a thorn is painful and difficult doesn't mean it can't have any good value. There, there are medicines that taste terrible, but they're good for our ailments. Athletes do, do difficult, grueling training because it's going to give them the results they desire. And secondly, the the one afflicting the thorn is identified not as God, but as a messenger of Satan. This is quite interesting. Demonic activity is responsible for the thorn, yet, yet, God has a purpose in it. And how do do I know God has a purpose in it? Well, we read, we read in verse seven that, that the purpose of the thorn was to keep Paul from becoming conceited. And that cannot be the purpose of the demonic. The spiritual enemy of our soul wants us proud. He wants us conceited. This has to be the purpose of God. And this makes sense with the truth of Romans 8, 28, that for those who love God, all things even the things from the enemy work together for good boy that's comforting boy that is comforting all things even the work of the devil himself remember remember god is sovereign remember that from last week god is sovereign and god is good so when anxiety comes into your life either by itself don't know why, or because of trials in your life, know that God has a purpose for this thorn. And because God has a purpose in this thorn, you can embrace it. Did you hear that? You can embrace the thorn in your life. You can embrace the anxiety in your life. That's not not easy. That doesn't sit well with us. That's that's a new way to view things. But Paul didn't learn this right away. Let's move on to our second point to see that, the prayer for the thorn. Verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. <laughs> the, the prayer for anxiety or for whatever we think is causing anxiety is, is go. I don't want you here. You're, you're disrupting my life. God, take it away. Paul pleaded with the Lord for his thorn to go. And, and that's what we instinctively pray when we encounter any kind of a difficulty. And, that's, and that's, I want to say that's not wrong. Okay, it's, it's okay to pray it away. But if you only stay in that place of prayer, you'll miss the bigger picture. The only problem with this prayer is if we only pray this prayer and nothing else concerning this. Right? Take it away, God. Take it away, God. Take it away, God. And then we just don't stop. We just keep praying that over and over and over again. See, we often think the best answer to the problem that we have is to pray in that direction, and we don't stop. And if we do stop, it's often because we have given up, we have lost hope. What if we prayed in a different direction? What if we prayed in light of God's sovereignty? If it doesn't go away, then maybe God wants it there for now. Can you you trust God for the anxiety he has let into your life? Instead of running away from it, are you willing to embrace it as, as a good gift in your life? What is God doing with this anxiety in your life? He's got a purpose. He's got a plan. That's what our next verse addresses, the plan for the thorn. Let me read the first part of verse 9. But he said to me, this is God answering him in regard to his prayer, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect In weakness this was the answer to prayer that Paul received it it was not the answer he expected it was not the answer he wanted but God uses the weakness in our life to do great things in our soul our reaction to weakness in our life is not favorable We we recoil at the notion of it. We wanna say, no God, let there be another way. Not not weakness. Let's pick something else. How about thankfulness? Or or humility, but not weakness. This, This is the different view that we have to embrace. God's power is found In our weakness. Our anxiety makes us feel weak and fragile, but it is there in that state that God does his best work in our lives. So when anxiety comes knocking, don't run. Don't run. Don't barricade the door. Learn to welcome it. Welcome it because God's power is made perfect in weakness. God's grace is sufficient to see you through with an unbelievable outcome on the other side. Instead of continually praying, please make this stop, and looking for ways to make it stop, ask a question of the Lord instead. Father, what are you teaching me? Why have you let this uninvited guest through the door of my life? Please show me. I'm confident God will answer that prayer. He's answered that prayer for me many times. If we are created to have communion or relationship with God, then this question is much more appropriate than just a request to have it taken away. Further, we want to be honest with God, like like the psalmist is. It's appropriate to do that. Father, I I don't want to experience this weakness. Please help me. I want your grace. I need your grace. This, This verse begs the question, how, how is God's power made perfect in weakness? Like how, how does that work? Well, in weakness, our need for God is heightened. I say heightened because we are always in need of God, right? In him, we live and move and have our being. Times of weakness bring that reality into a clearer view. It sharpens the focus. Let's listen to Paul's response to God's answer to his prayer in the second part of verse 9. Paul says, therefore, because of what you've said, God, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul says that if God's strength is found in weakness, He will even go to the extreme of boasting in his weakness so that Christ's power will rest upon or reside in him because God's power is much greater than our power. The power of Christ is found in his willingness to become weak on the cross it was there in his weakness that he conquered the power of sin over us and it was only through the weakness of his suffering and death that led to the victory of his resurrection and his glory and this is the pattern of the Christian life for us it was the pattern for Christ and it's the pattern for us dying And rising. Dying and rising. Paul talks about this earlier in chapter 4. Let me read verses 8 to 11. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. We are given over to these things that cause anxiety and possibly to just anxiety itself. if if we don't have a known reason for our anxiety, we're given over to them in order to experience the resurrection power of Jesus working in us. Was there anything more glorious in Jesus' life than the resurrection? That's that same power working with you. And you can't experience that resurrection without the dying, without the thorn. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, Paul notes that he counted all things in life that he lost, mainly his his high, influential, powerful religious status, as worthless for the sake of knowing Christ, so that he might know Christ and the power of his resurrection. We, we tend to boast in what we are strong in, right? Like if, if, you really, if you're really good at your job, you have a powerful job, and someone says, hey, what, what do you do for a living? You, you, you don't shrink away from that, right? You, you, you immediately go to that because that's a strength. It's the opposite if, you're, if you don't like your job and you're, you're, you're ashamed of it, or maybe you don't have a job, you're like, oh, We talk about something different. We do that because we tend to boast in what we are strong in. Our our job, our wealth, our physical strength, our, our looks, our social status, our stability. But when anxiety comes, we don't have the confidence to boast in ourselves because we can barely keep it together. So our only hope is to remember that in Christ... His power is made perfect in weakness. His grace is sufficient for us in that state. We may be struck down, but we are not destroyed because there is a resurrection power at work in us. Anxiety is, is cultivated and grown in the soil of the what-ifs of life. You know what I'm talking about? The what-ifs of life? What what if my job is really not secure? What if my diagnosis is really bad? What What if my spouse leaves me? What if I can't pay off that loan? What if, what if, what if? Those questions cannot be answered, so they they so they can't help but produce anxiety. Paul doesn't stay with the questions of or the or of the of the question of what if the thorn doesn't go? That's that's where we tend to live. What if it just doesn't go away? What if I have to bear it forever? I, you know, I was, I was thinking about Joni Erickson Tata. Crippled at the age of 17 from a diving accident. Paralyzed from the shoulders down. And she is probably one of the strongest people that I have ever had the privilege of listening to or reading about. His power is made perfect in weakness. She could have stayed in the what ifs of life. What if I never walk again? What if nobody ever loves me? What if What if I die early? What if, what if, what if, what if? But she didn't. She didn't stay there. Instead, she embraced the sovereignty of God, that God is good, And she took that thorn in the flesh and she embraced it and she has a ministry that has expanded the globe for Christ. Paul says that if the thorn makes him weak, he will boast in that weakness. He will welcome that weakness. He will face it head on knowing that it will lead to resurrection power in his life. let's conclude with our last point and our last verse the product of the thorn verse 10. for the sake of christ then i am content with weaknesses insults hardships persecutions and calamities for when i am weak then i am strong paul learned to be content with whatever caused weakness in his life. right? Whatever that thorn was, it produced in him a new way to look at everything that caused weakness in his life. If, if you struggle with, with anxiety, mild or severe or anything in between, and you learn to face it head on as something God has ordained in your life to bring weakness into your life, so that his power can be made perfect in you, that will extrapolate to other areas of your life that try to afflict you, that try to perplex you, that try to harass you, that try to strike you down. So fight the instinct to cower when anxiety comes. Meet it right at the door of your life. Ask why it's there. And when it gives no answer, ask God and he will tell you. It's there to make you strong. But not in your own power, but in God's power. So don't worry. It can never destroy you. Even though it wants to. God says, my plan for it is good. To draw you close to me so that you experience my resurrection power. So will you embrace a different view? In weakness, in weakness, remember those two words, in weakness, we find the power of God. So learn to welcome it, and like Paul, even boast in it. Let's pray. Father, this is this is a hard mindset to grab onto. I'm comforted that the Apostle Paul didn't automatically gravitate toward it. He found himself praying the weakness away. But Father, help us, like Paul, not to stay in that state. Help us to remember that, that you're doing something with this weakness in our life. It's causing a dying but there's a resurrection power in us through Christ. And so there will be a rising. And if it's not in this life that we experience that rising, it will be in the next. Because we have a hope that extends beyond this life to the life to come. What a wonderful reality that is. May we glory in that. And for those who don't know that reality, that life in Christ May they pursue him today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.